here we are. Hi, guys. Um, here we are today with uh, Sp uh, Bobby Spazov, uh, CEO and co-founder at Finscope, plus Chief Compliance Officer at CoinClan. Uh, Bobby, good to see you. How are you? Hello. Good to see you. Very, very good. Excited excited to be here. I think it's a very interesting timing. We're having this conversation. You know what? It, I, I, I'm, I'm, that's why I, um, I was just saying, like, we're going to kick off straight away with this. Um, what are your thoughts on the crypto markets at the moment? What, what, what are we seeing here? Oh, you know, so someone with a compliance background, you know, being the being the hated part of uh, of crypto. I think I think this is un unfortunately for a lot of people that have lost a lot of money. This is a little bit of vindication of the worldview that we need more security uh, structure to the market. I think uh, you see, like uh, losing billions of dollars overnight is is, is not really uh, for the long kind of for the long term benefit of the market. Uh, if you really want to grow and make make it more mainstream, we really need to make sure that like we don't have things like Luna, and and you know the million rug pulls. You, you're never gonna give confidence to in institutional investors enough if you lose forty two billion overnight. Well, so, so 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 for those people that don't know about Luna or you know don't know that much about Luna, like what? Um, why don't you talk through like what what was Luna? What were they doing? Um, how how do they lose forty two billion dollars? And as Jan says, that wasn't like a crash. That was a water slide. Yeah, it went straight yeah. down. Yeah, I think I think like if if you if you look at like a fifteen minute chart, you can probably be like what just one big red candle like all the way yeah. down. Yeah, I'm like seeing a lot of people's savings and but basically Luna was the pegging currency to Terra, which was the USD uh, UST stablecoin run by Terra Labs, Terraform Labs, I think it was. But uh, but yeah, so basically it was supposed to algorithmically balance the stablecoin by you know minting and burning coins. However. Uh, as we see you often time and time again with stable coins we are I mean, like the algorithmic stable coins not the ones pegged with like actual assets you, you see the dead spiral once the market loses confidence and it unpegs from the dollar it just kind of the whole algorithm feeds itself into like a dead spiral which basically caused uh uh like our i think it's like a shocking dip i, I don't think you know like i think it's the biggest one yet to see like just going through like 80 dollars to less than a dollar wasn't it like the number seven coin like number seven coin in the world? Yeah, it was crazy i think it was like over a hundred dollars at some point like in its yeah. all-time high and then like it's what like pieces like fractions of cents now it's it's crazy i i i, I think though for like again showing my age here but remembering back to like the tech bubble crisis right we, dot com. what the dot com yeah so, so we saw all these companies coming to a market they had no revenues they never had any like real service. They had no customers behind it, um, and yet we saw this like mad, mad burst um, of these companies with these crazy valuations, and then just like pretty much over well not overnight, not like not like with Luna, but you know over a very short period of time they were just gone. Like, it, it doesn't that have is you know shouldn't we be learning lessons from the past and actually looking at things even like Bitcoin and go wait a minute. What does Bitcoin produce? What's behind Bitcoin? What's behind Ethereum? Yeah, well, I think uh, I think uh, not not just in in financial markets, but uh, over overall, we should always look to history and like like try to learn from it. And you know, history kind of tends to repeat itself. And uh, uh, when I was in on Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin twenty twenty two in Miami, so one of the speakers said something very very uh, smart. It's basically Bitcoin uh, crypto is the future, but it's also the past. And you can see like that very much. You know the wild, wild west of kind of pre-regulation stock markets and, and and all that trading. It's kind of all those things that used to happen in the past in traditional markets are now kind of 
mirrored in in crypto and like uh, how everyone thinks that like oh it's uh, i mean like it is like a technological innovation but also it kind of just lend itself to all the all, all the same the same issues over the past uh just the lack of regulation and like oversight and i know like regulation is a dirty word in the space but uh you know it's uh it, it, it is you, you can see it time and time again why like it it, it is needed i think uh, okay. i think we need to give people security that like they're not going to lose astronomical amounts like unbelievable amounts of money overnight so, so so there's two sides to that right so the first is like isn't that part of capitalism right and, and the thing is is that like, like we, we see it in the uk in the housing market so everyone wants to be able to like borrow as much of the money they, as they can they go oh yeah but it's fine because my house is going to go up but then you know if there's if, if we're on the verge of a of a, of a property crash you know you have government set stepping in and bailing out the banks because like it, shouldn't we shouldn't we be looking to have some form of like boom and bust economy isn't that isn't that capitalism because surely having one thing a lot of people complain about is you know the wealth gap the rich are getting richer but the reason why the rich are getting richer is because we never we don't have we don't want this boom and bust economy anymore we just want everything to just keep going up and up and up yeah. <laughs> and you know it's same same with crypto right and yeah. and the lack of regulation in crypto um would never never ever be entertained in in the equities market no well the thing is uh, uh, like i think what you do you know based in london you know the property market here is absolutely insane and and it is kind of uh, you you see that you see that issue where people just want things to go up, but like just the nature of of you know the cycles of like just the kind of new liberal capital capitalism is like you have those cycles of boom and bust. However, like if if you look at over the last thirty years, I guess because of technology and information and everything, those cycles have been speeding up massively. Like they used to be like or like every twenty years you get like a big a big boom and crash, but then like now it's uh, and the crypto space is even more like on steroids is like whatever in traditional you know in traditional economies you get like oh there's like now down to like seven or eight years yeah up but to ten and in crypto you get to like some months like you know it just goes yeah. like but again w w with all these coins looking back from like the tech bubble crisis most of these coins don't have any revenues behind them they don't have anything they're not producing goods and and that's why you know as, as someone who obviously um, is building and running a crypto community i think that there's much more excitement around like the blockchain technologies and actually getting past this as as you know we keep hearing crypto winter because i think that actually what will come out of it as you said you know it's the crypto is the past but it's also the future we're going to see like really strong uh coins and uh opportunities uh come from this no yeah i think so i think uh you know the the strong the strong will weather uh, the storm. Yeah, kind of what you see. I mean, uh, but you you also have the things like, are we going to lose the co the confidence of the general public before we weed out all the weak all, all the weak? Will, but but the, institu the institutions want want um, the general public to lose confidence, right? Like like that 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 they're they're it's it's history repeating itself time and time again. There are times when you see companies like like Amazon at fifty dollars. They were at fifty dollars a share. You see them like falling to like below ten dollars a share, right? Who who's there waiting to buy those? Who was there twenty years ago waiting to buy those companies? You know, it, it, it's not it's not the average guy on the street. Although I will say this, 
over the last 20 years, it's become so easy now to like buy shares. It might be the average guy on the street. You might just see more people just like winning because they go, do you know what? Learn from mistakes in the past. Um, I'm just going to buy and I'm just going to hold. Like, like with Palantir. Yeah. Um, I bought Palantir at IPO. GameStop as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, do you know what? When, when, when I bought um, Palantir like, the, like, um, at the IPO, I, I was like, I was like, looking on Reddit and everyone's like, oh, it's a meme stock. It's going to crash. It's going to crash. It's going to crash. And, and there's, you know, there's definitely, I was like, no, not, not, it's not going to happen. It'll go down, obviously, but it's not going to go like, go down the way it has. And now we're seeing that actually the average person is, are they, are they able to influence um, stock prices? And if they are, you know, what does that mean for compliance? How do you regulate that? Well, the thing is, like, if you look at most of the meme stocks, you know, GameStop, AMC, and in general, the whole movement of, like, the retail investors just being way more and more involved. And I think crypto has a big part of it. I think uh, uh, it crypto goes hand in hand with the liberalization of the stock market as well. Even though, unfortunately, with the liberalization of stock market, you have the dirty tricks like payment for order flow and so on, basically letting people make, mo make money off you uh, just so you can trade for free. Which is why I don't I don't use personally free brokers. Okay. I pay my broker my purchase fee, but I know like they're not they're, they're not basically screwing me over on the other end. Sure. But it's 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 always been the case where you know it's just, there's so many just the stunt, there's so many normal people and like they have so much they offer so little money individually but like put together they can really move the market. I mean, uh, big time. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, the the only, the only thing is. How much due diligence would actually uh, would actually would the retail investor put in? And, and well, let me ask you this: like, like now, like like you, you you see on YouTube, you see people like really cover stocks like thoroughly. Same with coins. Okay, yeah. the diff the difference with the difference with with the coins is, with with crypto is that they with these crypto projects, they're babies. There's not that much information on there. You know, with with, with regards to like equities. You're seeing that actually, you, you you can go on there. There's people that cover stocks in depth. Like they, they you know they save me a load of time because I don't have to do the research. They do it for me, right? Yeah. But I think with crypto, let's be honest, it's largely just about feeling. And and, and again, that, that you know that's not me being bearish. It's just that it's very hard to look at something um, like Ethereum or Bitcoin and just say, right, this is what it does. This is what it produces. This is how we can justify. Um, the value this is like it's net dollar they don't have net dollar retention rates they don't have price to sales ratios right no, no definitely I mean, you, you can't apply traditional traditional methods because like it's uh, I, would, I would i would say uh the issue that at least i personally have with uh, with, with crypto is that like there's a big part of the whole kind of meme stocks and like uh you know the whole moonshot projects or whatever which is basically everyone knows it's a rug pull and it's a pump and dump however everyone's like following like the good old, old advice like the best the best time to join a ponzi scheme is at the beginning and like everyone just is thinking like oh if i can just join it early and then just i i can't like i've been following a lot of the a lot of those points it's like how do you weed out which which one is actually a good project and then aren't those taking actual like good capital away from projects that could actually produce value in in the space sure but but uh, even yourself look i hope you don't mind bringing this up but um yeah you heard about bitcoin very early on yeah right yeah no uh, yeah back i i, I try I, 
when I was a student back in 2012, I tried to mine Bitcoin and Monero on my laptop overnight <laughs> in my room. But at the you know, the, you know, at the time it was very, very difficult to, to, to turn it into actual cash. But, but, but that, I mean, that says something, though. You know, I mean, when that, I mean, you know, you, you've heard about Bitcoin very early on. You know, you, at the time you haven't looked at it and thought, "Oh, this is nonsense. This is a pump and dump." You've thought, "Actually, there's real value in this." Yeah, how, I think. How, how how have your views of Bitcoin evolved over a decade? Like, most people never heard of Bitcoin five years ago, right? Yeah. Your, you you heard of it ten years ago, so like, how how your how has your opinion evolved? You know, how has it changed? We hear here now in the press all the time people saying, "Bitcoin store of value." Right? It's kind of like buzzword. Um, but from someone who has known about it for a long time, who has been involved, and like you said, like you know, trying to mine it um, a, a decade ago. What, what you know? What, what what is Bitcoin to you? Uh, to me, uh, like yeah. at, 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 the, at the moment, I think Bitcoin is more of a statement yeah. than than anything of actual value. I think uh, I don't personally hold Bitcoin. I don't think it's very efficient when it, when it comes to like you know processing times, fees, and so on. I'm much more, uh, you know, I'm much more think you know the newer development. But it's a it's, it's a groundbreaker, and the thing is, like in, in every new kind of area, the first the first one isn't always the best. It's like you have newer players come in, but like without Bitcoin, we wouldn't have uh, uh, anything else. So for me, it's like, it's, it's at the, right now, it's kind of a synonymity for crypto, but like for actual usability, I mean, like you have like Lightning Network and so on. I don't think it has for, for like just be, to be used as a currency. I don't think it has much, you know, uh, uh, much kind of value in the sense of like to be used as a currency to make transactions because it's slow, it's expensive and so on which is now it's turned into a whole like you hold it as a confidence in in the market because however you look at it the market is very much correlated to bitcoin like bitcoin goes down everything else goes down uh you know we, we're unfortunately we're very early on and we're not we're not we're not at the stage where yeah coins will be identified kind of i guess valid individually as yeah. much where while the kind of bitcoin is crypto in a way but also it's not crypto in a way but it's not well i mean from my perspective i i, I look at bitcoin and i think it's a benchmark right it's benchmark. people call it you know digital gold and, and maybe it is i don't know but um it's you know for me it's a bit like you say it's a benchmark that all other cryptocurrencies are mentioned against um but you you touched on something quite interesting there about about lightning um what is Lightning? What's the relationship between uh, Bitcoin and Lightning, and and how does Lightning like sit on top of it? Well, I think uh, I think uh, you know I'm not I'm not an expert. <clears throat> me, I'm not an expert on, on on Bitcoin and Lightning Network. You know, I'm, I'm much more on the regulatory side. But uh, from my, from my kind of under limited understanding, I guess uh, Lightning basically uses the very smart way uses smart contracts to lock in the transactions instead of doing actual on-chain transactions, and then kind of uh, uh, you know, help help those be like very much more instantaneous uh, and cheaper than you know having to actually move bit, like fractions of a bitcoin for small transactions. It's, it's actually a very kind of smart use of smart contracts because you know this is locked and it's going to happen. I get you again, I, kind of kind of in my view, and like I guess there's uh, I guess it's kind of, again very limited. I think it kind of copies banks, which is the weird thing of like oh we're just going to do uh, kind of the traditional cards like oh yeah we're going to book a lot of transactions and just set up them in like one big go. 
because it's cheaper. The thing is, like, it's 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 strange how again, kind of copies the past in a way uh, of just those operations. Because however you look at it, and like the whole view that crypto is going to replace the traditional system, traditional system has been kind of, I guess, improved and like refined and so on. So there's a lot of principles there that are actually very like a lot of smart people have spent a long time getting to that level of like things. So I think there's a lot of I think like the 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 sentiment that we shouldn't we should not look at it as being inefficient there's actually parts of it that are designed you know over decades by very smart people about how best and cheaper to move money or any other like assets and uh, so you know there, i think there's a lot there's a lot we can learn uh, that we can learn from that have you ever have you ever um heard of the story of like from long-term capital management I don't think so. They're a hedge fund in the 90s. There was a really good, I can't remember, I think the author's name was Lowenstein. Um, it, it, it was called When Genius Fails. Um, and and I, I, I think that within the crypto space, we're going to see huge successes, but we're also going to see people who've worked on, very smart people who've worked on very cool, very exciting technologies for a very long time, and we're still going to see them um, uh, uh, fail. Actually, speaking of failures, uh, we're going about to speak about your favorite person in the world in a sec. Um, <laughs> have you seen Twitter this morning? Yes, I have. So. <laughs> so. You must have been so happy when you saw that before. Before, yeah. So, well, the thing is, like, uh, am I happy? I just, I just, Power of Elon Musk. yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you know, he's my favorite person in the world. Uh, uh Come on, quote, what, quote, what, 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 quote unquote, <laughs> what, 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 what's the deal with Elon Musk? Like, you know, he, he's out there, he's you know he's he's building these companies that are looking like change industries um he's you know sending rockets into space and getting them to come back down to earth um like what's your reservations what are your reservations well the thing is like my 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 reservations uh is basically uh i i, I don't like a kind of a lot of people with money having too much power and influence especially on media so like in, with twitter it's like why would elon musk buy twitter like right like it doesn't make like humongous amounts of money uh when you think when you think about the other businesses so he, he either you know doesn't declare his stake on time so he makes some money out of, out, of, out, of, out of that or 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 he, or he wants to have the voice to push his own agenda and all his own views and like and that's another thing, like with everyone, like why would every rich person own some kind of media or newspaper, right? Like Bezos owns the Washington Post, like because they they need a mouthpiece to push to push their agenda. I I think uh, my reservation about Elon Musk is about how much did he actually build businesses to change the world, and like how much is him, and how much is you know other people? Because when you think about PayPal, it definitely wasn't him. It, you know, it, it's always the team. Right. And like, yeah. like, like, like you say, you know, like, and, and, and Tesla wasn't the first electric, uh, electric. No, like he, he wasn't even like the founder. He had to sue the founders to be called a founder. So uh, when, when no, bought... I, I've heard, I, I've, you know, see with stuff like that, I always think unless you're there, you just don't know. Well, no, yeah, I, th I think so. Right. I think so. But, uh, but the, th the thing is, um, I don't, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm very much, uh, I don't understand, I guess, why. I mean, like he presents an image, right, about just being like the cool bro of like whatever. But like, all he wants is to exploit you, like for his what, own profit. But, what, but genuinely, in in what way? And like, well, you see, like recently, he made a statement about how like 
Chinese workers are great because they work until 3 a.m. and they don't want to leave the factory. Like, you have... Uh, but do, do you think that he, there's part of it where a lot of the time he's just, like, messing about? First, with a Twitter thing, I want to say something. Like, do you really think he wants to buy Twitter to make money? It is, it is a no. move of a business, right? Like, like, or do you think it's just he's going, oh, like, do you know what? I'm really worried about the trajectory of the world. Like, the world is really heading in, a wrong, in the wrong direction. And what did he call Twitter? Like the town square? Yeah, uh, but well, the thing is, like, the wrong direction for who? Like, there's a thing, like, he thinks his position, and I guess the in general position of the system, like, the, the, the overall system, I feel like it's losing confidence, right? Like, for the, for the normal person, and, like, for, 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 the, for, the average, for the average juror, you can see that, like, the current economic system doesn't, and in polit- in, in political in some countries, like, it doesn't really work, right? So he... He's a top in power. He like people in power would always do everything to stay in power, right? So he needs, you know. I feel like uh, I feel I feel like uh, he just needs an avenue to push the public to sway the public opinion in his in his direction. Because uh, you know, I I'm very much more on 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 the, on the side of like you, sh- you know, we have one life on earth, so we shouldn't be working twenty hours a day. Uh, uh, and like and and like that's kind of. Where, where well, he, well he, he, here's the double-edged sword right because in about 15-20 years we're not going to be working 20 hours a day because the average Joe isn't going to have a job yeah exactly not, right it, it's like so so you know I, I think that we look at these billionaires and we think actually they're creating hundreds of thousands if not millions of jobs like either directly or indirectly like should we not be grateful that they're doing that and the fact that he he would take Twitter, he'd make it more profitable. And and I, I went on Twitter, I told you this, I think, last week. Yeah. I went on Twitter about four months ago. Like I've, I've always had an account and I've always like looked at it, but you know, with Rayon, we're like trying to build up our like online presence. Um, and I thought I'm gonna go on it. I, I was on it for like actively using it for about a week. Like it, it's a mess. It's literally it, it, it's a mess. It, it's it's almost like like I don't know if you ever watched WWF wrestling. When yeah, you're a kid, but I used to be a fan when I was a kid. <laughs> okay, fine. It, it, it's, it's like it's like the Royal Rumble of like random thoughts, and you know I, I think sometimes we we give these like CEOs like we give them a bit of a hard time. Like they they're just tweeting, they're just people, you know. And I think if if, if we recorded every single thing we said. In life, like no, you know. like uh, I think we're very, very lucky to have grown up in a time where we couldn't broadcast over the stupid thoughts we had to the world, right? Could you? Uh, could you <laughs> I don't know how old you are. Okay, I, I, I'm 38. I would not. I'm 32. Have so. Okay, okay. I, I would not have survived growing up in a world with social media. No chance. No, I was a very early adopter of the internet, and I, I was into computers at a very early age. And like, thank God you had to dial through the phone, and like there weren't places where. You can literally like the whole world can can look at like your your kind of uh, teenage hormonal brain like screaming <laughs> like all, all, all kinds of stuff. I would have had I, I would have probably had like a much different experience in life if I could if I could broadcast all all the ridiculous things that like I did or thought uh, at the time. But that that that's the world we live in now. Oh, that is literally that, that, that's it. And and I I think I think Musk with Twitter is probably looking and going, wait a minute, do you know what? Obviously, I'm, I can't control that, and I'm not looking to control that. But where can I, rather than control, where can I actually help? And I think that, you know, like things like on online that are like contentious issues, 
like people are talking about JK Rowling, right? I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I, I find it weird. She, she, she's just, she's an author. She's written some like incredible books. She's yeah. made by some young kids, like superstars. And she's just like, whether you like her view or not, whether like it's just kind of chooses, she kind of chooses a weird hill to die on, to be honest. But uh, she chooses a what, sorry? A weird hill to die on uh, in the court of public opinion. I think you know it's 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 different because like you know people with like influence or whatever and they're in the public space and like they have made a lot made a lot of money out of being uh, out out of being famous they, they they need to hold themselves up to a different standard right they can't just be like Davry Joe with 120 followers and like just go and like write all, all kinds of stuff they need to be a little bit more careful about like the things they broadcast to the world. But again, sorry, but we're kind of going off topic here. But some yeah. one of those best best podcasts. But like. If she wants to say like there are two sexes, there's men, there's women, like why is like why can't she have that opinion? I don't know. I mean, like she she can have it, but like yeah, you yeah. know, like I think I think I think when you're when you're when you're when you're in a public space, you need to be a little bit more careful about which opinions you broadcast and which you don't. Like, uh... but uh, again, and with with Musk and and you know we will, we will move on from this. But I just say like with, with Musk and Twitter, it, it's it's one of those things where it's just like um. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's one of those things where you know he, he's seeing that actually people are being shot down for having opinions on like really like yeah but, but the, things but i think that's the, I, I, I think that's quite normal i think there's the, just the natural evolution of free speech and, and i think a lot of people cry about like free speech but like free speech exists but also free speech doesn't defend you from consequence so if you if you you're free to broadcast your opinions but if people don't like them they're very free to tell you that they don't like them and they don't need to entertain you and like i'm all for that like i'm all for like people having their opinions and like being shot down for them if, if yeah. people don't like them if like that's that's how that's how the nature is i mean like you know it's it's, it's gotten very different very different than like back in the day when i guess i guess when we were young when like when you start saying when you when you, when you start saying shit to people they just punch you in the face no, it's like it's like no one can put you in the face on Twitter, so people just like spam yeah. abusive comments to you or 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 some stuff like that. But uh, you know, it's it's like I, I I I don't I don't know. I I have the personal feeling that like you know free speech could become a little bit of like oh, I need to, I want to say what I want to say, but like I can't be criticized for it. Of course you can. Like the other people's free speech is like to, they have the right to criticize you for for your opinions. Yeah, and I know, like I know a lot of people. A lot of people that look at this podcast uh, are not gonna like me. You know. Re- Compliance right. that doesn't like compliance that doesn't like Musk. I think those are the two things that like the crypto oh. community loves, like uh, Musk's and hates regulations. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say actually, like I, I, I think most pe- most people in general, they're quite wary of any like compliance officers. Right? <laughs> like that's uh, yeah. I, I, when when I was working, I worked for this like U.S. asset management company, and I, I think that the people that worked in compliance, they were definitely cut from a different cloth. Right. Because I, I think what's interesting is that actually in the crypto world, in the banking world, you know, it's you, you oddly get quite a lot of like rebellious characters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 yeah, definitely. I think uh, I come from a traditional fintech space before 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 I went into crypto. Right. So uh, I've, I've always been a little bit of, a, I guess, of, of a rebellious character myself. But uh, which I've always brought like a, a, a different a different view to compliance, which is I guess I guess why I ended up in crypto somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, uh, uh, I have a, I have a lot of, I have a lot of, I have a lot of I've been I've been in, in in a lot of jobs where people are like, oh, our, our previous compliance person wasn't like this. He just said no, and I was like, well, 
you know that's not that's not my job but i understand why when this has been kind of the culture of compliance for so long it's just been like oh well, let's let's just say no to everything i i understand why people that have been in business a while are very very aware of it sure. but you know i i always thought of like a compliance as a business enabler and like i've always thought to use it as a even use it as a, as a as a usp in some businesses like look we're so good we can find ways to do things compliant that like other people can't so let's sure. use this to, to you know to sell our product Sure, sure, sure. Look, we like. I, I, I think. Uh, joke aside, I mean, I, I think compliance and data privacy is now more important than ever. Um, it's something where I think companies are not just taking note, but they're actually changing their approach to the way in which they uh, implement compliance. Like we, we we work with a company, a, a German. Um, uh, GDPR company and like it's first of all they're, they're incredible they're actually incredible um second of all I was going to say their name then I thought actually it'll sound like I'm plugging them but I'm, I'm, <laughs> they, just, they, just, they just are a brilliant company um and, and and I think that it's kind of like now like going into business you know there's two elements where I think actually if you're going to build a tech company or even sorry if you're going to build any company it's important to understand accounting I would say to some degree <laughs> right even very, very important yeah and and I, I I think equally as important to that is actually understanding the compliance around what you're doing because as much as we joke about like you know these like contentious issues things like what happened with Luna like real people as you mentioned they yeah. lost their money and I think that you know we're, we're going to see over the next few years some just insane scams come out of the crypto space so you know what should companies actually be doing to at least try and if, 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 if not like protect themselves like protect their customers um and and just be as you know and, and how, do, how can they go about being as transparent as possible but communicating the right information yeah well i think first of all personal personal information and data is is the name of the game data is the most valuable thing uh, like uh it needs to be protected you know people can do a lot of things if you if you if your data is leaked uh, you know, take loans, do credit cards, uh, steal your identity. So companies need to be very wary, especially uh, companies here in Europe where GDPR applies because, like, the, the fines are, like, humongous. Like, I mean, like, 20 million is, like, the bottom line. Of, you know, like, how many businesses can afford to just pay 20 million, fi 20 million euro fines? But uh, but the most important thing that companies need to do is, uh, and especially in the crypto space, and it's uh, uh, kind of a sentiment that I hear it's like, oh, but like, we're not regulated. It's like, yes, you're not regulated, but you want your customers to feel confident to put their hard-earned money with you. So I think there needs to be a little bit more proactivity to find like smart ways to, you know, I guess go a little bit about, a little bit further than what you're required to, but also, you know, but also not to start, not to make it difficult to do business. But you also need to give customers confidence because the most important thing is not what the law requires you to do. The most important thing is, how does your product and the way you operate and like uh, your business model and your levels of compliance make your customers feel because they trust you with their money, right? Like they trust you with know, their lives. Yeah. So, 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 you, so you, you know, companies need to be more careful, uh, you know, just a little bit more conscious about like those are people's lives, money, life savings or, or anything like this. It's like it's the money, one of the most important things in our lives. So, Yes, well, no one likes compliance, no one likes the extra hoops. There, there is a reason that, like, I think a lot of companies need to take risk management more seriously. And do, do, do you think that, um, 
like the like like these crypto companies will they inevitably inevitably end up being regulated by like the SEC in the US or the FCA and PRA in the UK or like or, or, or are we going to have to like or, or do you think that actually governments are going to have to create like new new uh, regulatory bodies? Well, the thing is, the thing is, <clears throat> there. So Europe's already like driving the force. Uh, you know, they have, there's draft legislation about about the European Union about regulating crypto, including like crypto to crypto uh, and so on. I think how crypto is going to get regulated very much depends on the industry. Okay. And, and that is basically like, uh, if we do a good job at self-regulating, we're not going to get hit as hard by the governments. However, you know, if, if the industry as a whole doesn't behave as well, you, the hammer is going to come down harder. I think a lot of the things like I had an issue, you know, uh, uh, the issue, that, the issue that, that I see is basically what happened here in the UK, right? Like when the FCA regulated cryptocurrencies under the Fifth Money Laundering Directive, just the process, they, they didn't have people that understood crypto. They, create, they, they kind of pulled people from other traditional licensing departments and the process was very slow, very difficult. They tried to apply, you know, regulations that don't apply to you. So I think, I mean, like at the end of the day, they'll probably end up regulated by the traditional regulators however i really hope those regulators cut out a specific you know specific divisions with people that really really understand the industry i think the biggest issue that i've had with the fca uh deal, dealing with them with, with crypto is just a lot of the people that would give you the approvals and would ask you the questions they don't really understand the product yeah yeah, yeah. have you ever and, spoken to any politicians about it sorry have you ever spoken with any politicians ever uh, no, so in the UK we have Crypto UK, which is the kind of the trade body that does a lot of the, a lot of this. So inter internally, there's a lot of conversations. Okay. But uh, but that has been the sentiment across the board. It's like a lot of companies, uh, you know, here in London we're like a, a, a fintech center, uh, uh, one of the best fintech centers in the world, great talent, and the regulators botched the implementation of crypto and kind of you know ruined and like kind of moved away the spotlight away from London when it comes to crypto, which which is a shame because there's there's so many innovative people here. That could do so many great things, but like we're just London, being forced out. Yeah, no, L L London's missed it. Like, I um, I remember like I'm talking about like five, six years ago. No, no, about four years ago. I went to the bank to try and like open up a bank account, and they were like, one of the questions was, "Has your business got anything to do with crypto?" And I was like, "Yeah," and then they were like, "Well, you can't have a bank account here then, right?" And it's mad. Like you know, I went to. A load of different i went to a load of different in, uh, organizations and got rejected you know yeah. when when you look at what's going on in the in um you know, like well just other parts no points like dropping cities in uh, other parts of the world they're they're looking at crypto and they're saying actually there's a real opportunity here right now london is the center of the world for financial institutions but london doesn't have to be and i think yeah. i think sadly i i, th I think and I'm not blaming the politicians at all. It's just that they're large, that they are overwhelmed and they don't understand it at all. And, and, and you see it, right? You, you, you see some of these tools um, with, what is it? It's like Senate committees that they have in the US yeah. where they just have, um, uh, yeah, like they have like experts like, talking to like both parties essentially about, about, about like crypto. And you realize just how out of touch uh, yes. Mark Zuckerberg gave that talk, right? Talking about yeah, he was, he, he was there. There was quite, there's quite a few examples of like, you know, like the prominent tech figures just talking to them and like having to explain very basic things, how they work. And it's like, 
But that is that that that's what worries me. That's what worries me. Look, for London, it's a shame because I, I don't see how London catches up. Yeah, I think I, th- I think I think the boat has sailed. I think uh, very much the botched implementation again with uh, with everything in business and the same thing in compliance. It's like okay, th- this is the regulations, but like the one thing that matters the most is execution, and the execution was just sure. terrible. You know, I, I know a lot of businesses. I don't advise. You know, uh, you know when I, when I consult businesses, I, I tell them do not get a license here in the UK. Like it's really not, yes, like the capital license. It takes way too long. The process is super costly and burdensome because it's just so difficult to 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 get the FCA to understand your your your, your point of view. You know, uh, it just it just it's just not worth it. Like if you want if you if you want if you want to be quick to market, you know, get things done. Just like this is not the place anymore. And and but that, where is the place? I was <laughs> I can't say. You know, I mean, you know, I don't want to like say anything like leading, but so genuinely, like, where where is the place? <clears throat> oh, I guess it depends. It depends on the business model, right? Uh, but yeah. uh, you know, there, there's 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 places that are good that are good for exchanges. Uh, there, there's so many factors to take into account. It, it, it's very individualized, but also how easy it is to get a license, and also how valuable that license is. You know, because yeah. it's very easy to get some licenses, and a lot of places have registrations. So a lot of European countries took the approach where, like, okay, we're going to apply the 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 five MOD. We're going to apply all those. We're going to require all those companies to make to comply with those rules, but we're not going to make it a license. We're going to make it a registration. So basically, you register with them, and you still need to apply. So that gives you like a quick go-to-market, uh, uh, you know. Uh, so just because it's a quick registration, you take like a couple of months. How long does it take in the UK? Uh, last last time I worked on one, it was like over a year, and it was it was not uh, was not approved. So like it takes at the moment, it takes like probably like nine months to more than a year and a half to get a license from start and, to finish. Okay, and okay. Yeah, like I, I, I've got to be honest. I mean, you know, like even with Rayon, you know, we can work from anywhere in the world, right? And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, we're still a very young company. Like, I haven't solidified roots anywhere. Um, we've considered moving the company out of the UK, and it's just, you know, it's it's yeah. one of those things where it, I, I, I can't. Do, do, do you know what the problem is? Is that I get this whole like working from home situation and the world's evolved and as a test case, you know, the pandemic has proven that it is possible to work from anywhere in the world. But, you know, you still kind of want to feel that you have a hub as a company. You want to feel you have a home. And and, and I I think people want to still have, at the very least, the option to go into an office. Yes, I think uh, I think uh, uh, very much. So I've I've been in that kind of, you know, in the fintech space for a while. And working at like international fintechs, I, I I've been doing the whole like working fully remotely, working from home for a very long time. It's closing on like eight years now, and I very much understand the value of like being able to go to an office. Yeah. Actually, actually, quite enjoy going to an office when, when you know there's a social part to work that really helps solidify the teams. But also, I think the most important thing about a company, and it's um, and we do this we do this with our with our companies or like uh. There's no fixed working times, days, or anything. Yeah, like we don't that. have that. It's like people are pr- most productive, and like, and, and I know this from experience because, like, I used to be—I'm not a morning person—and I used to work jobs at the beginning of my career where they'll make me be in the office at like nine o'clock, and I'll be on the tube in London in peak hours, and I would hate it. And I, I was, was like, the same. I was I, like, I was why would I have to go through this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I hated it. But like, how long did you say you did it for? So, uh, which which part? The, 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 getting the train in like London. The oh, so for about two years. I, I, did, I did it for nine. Oh my god! Like I did it for two nine. years, and I was like, this is like just. I can't believe I did it. When I think about it, I, I'm going. On, I'm going on the underground like next week, and it's like oh. Oh, no, like I, 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 I've grown to hate it, and I think like it's one of the best transportation systems in the world. Yes, and I've grown to hate amazing. it just because, like, you no, know, it's just so busy. It's yeah. so busy. It's so so long, and and and, and I, I, I think, look, I, 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 I think companies do need an office. I think people need an office. I, th I think, you know, like just from a creativity standpoint, having like more people in an office, like bouncing ideas off each other, you know like laughing trying like it, it it definitely it definitely is something that is going to be missed whether or not the world knows that it's going to be missed or not um yeah. and I, I just think that actually like from my perspective when the pandemic hit like none of my none of the, no one at rayon was like originally up from sorry emma is the only one like originally from england um yeah. at rayon and like everyone else just left like they, they just went back to their respective countries whether it was like um Czech, Czech Republic, America, Russia, yep. Ukraine, like I did, everyone, the, I, everyone. I did the same. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 but so, so, but where are you from originally? I uh, originally from Bulgaria. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, but I, I moved to the UK to study 13 years ago and yeah, I've been there ever since. But like when the pandemic happened, I spent the first five months here being locked, being able to go out once a day and everything else. And then I was like, well, I'm just going to go home. Like, why, why would I just stay here to just be stuck at home? But, and and it, and it's expensive. Like, I, I think that I think that's the biggest issue. Like that that we have in terms of staying here. I'd like the company to stay in the UK, but I want I want to have talented people. And talented people now look at the UK as respectfully like on the decline. Yes, I, go, I, that, I, that, I have yeah, a feeling. Yeah, we we, I we, we had, saying that, but yeah. Yeah, no, we had the debate. We had the debate as well uh, uh, when we founded Finscope. We were like. You know, we, we're a rectech business, and it's like, where is the, we kind of need to be here, because it's the hub for, like, the fintech space at the moment, but, like, looking at, looking at, like, the, trying to look at long-term strategies, like, what are we doing 10 years time, right? Like, we need, like, is London still going to be the best place for, to, to be, to be, to be at in, in, in 10 years time in the, in the rectech space? I don't know, and, like, if things keep going the way they are, I think it's probably not. Uh, but uh, you know, the the UK government came uh, came with like a statement how they're gonna be. They want to be like a crypto, like uh, to be like the center of innovation in crypto. It's like, you need but, that. like, but like, how can you say that after you completely destroyed the industry the previous twelve months? Like, did, did you wait? Did did you read like on on the government website? Like, the, like it was just like you're so you're so far behind the times. Please, someone catch up on this. Like, and, and again, I, I'm not one of those people like like like, like bashes the government. Like, I, 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 I get it. Like, governments now are not running countries; they're running a planet, right? Yep. And you know, obviously, like there's what we've seen from politicians like over the pandemic, some amazing behaviour. We've also seen some horrendous behaviour. Um, yep. Unfortunately, and, unfortunately, a lot of horrendous behaviour here. And but do, do you know what? And again, even with that, and again, I, I do get killed for this when I discuss with my friends that um, I kind of like to like make concessions for people. I think you know what? It must be really hard running a planet. Yeah, 
I mean, it's very much, uh, I don't think it's an easy, it's a very stressful job and everything else, but also like those people are not put there uh, like against their will, right? Like, no, they, they want the power, they, they want They, want, they, they, oh, they, they want to be there and like take that responsibility, then they kind of need to, need to just take it. Like, you know, it's like you wanted to be there, you wanted to be a prime minister and run the country, then you better step up to the plate now. Like, Then can't we flip it and say, actually, we didn't want to be there. We didn't want to do it. We've let them get on with it. And you know what? I mean, you, you, you look at the quality of life now compared to where it was 100 years ago. And actually, someone somewhere has definitely been doing a good job with something. Yeah. And, uh, well, the thing is, like, here is about how much can you actually attribute to politicians, right? And how much is actually science and technology and, like, the advancements of that and then improving the life and, like, private individuals doing businesses and, like, uh, advancing technology and so on. It's... Uh, well, speaking, actually, I'm going to jump somewhat, but like, but um, you know, speaking about private businesses, Finscope, like, um, this is obviously obviously uh, your, your company. You know, w w what's your story? Um, how, like, what? Well, what's the story to Finscope really? And like, you know, why did you guys build it? So uh, basically, uh, at Finscope, we're a Rectech uh, company. We deal with kind of automating workflows and and, and reporting for suspicious activity. And, you know, helping uh, companies comply with their with their AML regulations, including crypto companies, even though even though they don't like it. But uh, I think the, the the story is very personal, I guess, to me, because like I <clears throat> I have been uh, uh, an MLRO, you know, money laundering reporting officer at quite a lot of fintechs. Uh, also been you know in, on the board of a couple of fintechs, and like it, I've seen the struggles. Like, oh yeah, we are a fintech, but then how how do we deal with our with, with our internal reporting and like all that workflow? Oh, like we have this Excel spreadsheet, or like you know, people fill out this form and like send it over email, and like it's just like how can we call ourselves a fin, like you know, how can we call ourselves a fintech and like have all those like super technologically advanced products we offer to the people? Then on our back end, we make our employees actually do a lot of manual work, right? So uh, in that case, uh, it's very, it, it's it's very very uh, uh, personal to me that I was like, we can't. This is not the best way to do it. Like we cannot say that like. We're at the forefront of technological innovation in, in 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 finance, and then just you know you know Excel 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 keep props up the whole financial system, but also like we can do better. So I think uh, I think it's very much my personal experiences were kind of the main driving force behind Finscope and like us designing a product to really automate all this, you know, make it all auditable for the regulators, make it much easier, you know, workflows, people get notified, alerts, and then also you know our kind of ace in the sleeves is the actual final leg where it needs to go to the regulator we actually implement automations for that for that as well uh, so you know it saves a lot of operational time uh, in businesses and like it just really helps them be taken be, put the tech in fintech you know we can't be just uh, just running spreadsheets what are the, like the main like problems that you think you you, you can help them solve well, I think uh, the big the biggest problem is that like uh, we uh, we help businesses solve is is that first of all it's the op the operational efficiency. It's like you know it takes a lot out of the manual work and like oh sending emails, you know scanning spreadsheets to track who sent me what, uh, where what stage is it, what the decision making is. You know our system allows for custom workflows so people are, can customize. You know when where do reports go? Who investigates? The more information gets added on them keeps everything trackable and auditable. So like whenever a regulator comes in, it was like, oh, why did you make this decision here? Like you can see every single comment per person's left. 
every single action they've taken, absolutely everything. And you can be like, like, look, this is what we did. Easy. You just export a report. You don't have to go and be like, have like four people like look through the emails and like all the spreadsheets and like and like everything else to to, to really produce that information. And I mean, and so so who who are your main like clients that you're targeting at the moment? All up. So uh, so uh, at the moment, like we're. Uh, focused more on the traditional uh, fintech space mm. i mean like i was like fintech and traditional it's like just the, the fiat kind yeah. of the fiat the fiat focused fintech space but our potential clients is everyone who is uh basically obliged to comply with with the AMO regulation so that would include crypto companies in europe and other in other places where the AMO regulations are applicable in the us as well uh singapore uh, australia you know uh all that a lot of the financial companies when it comes to like payments electronic money companies asset managers banks including and also surprisingly uh, i guess to some people like real estate agents uh really what like in the us <clears throat> so uh, real estate agents at least in, uh, in in europe and like in the uk they fall under the scope of the of the money laundering regulations uh, so they need to do kyc the source of funds report things you know especially here in london it's been a big thing where like how you know, it's people launder like you know, all the oligarch money being laundered through property, like property and art, are high valued uh, art dealers, as well. Can can take seventy can take million dollar NFTs. Yeah, exactly. Like if you, if you, if you have like a, no, an art gallery, I, I I can't say that. Like, <laughs> million dollar NFTs or you know million dollar Picasso paintings. You know, uh, same thing. Like when when any anyone that needs to comply with AMO regulations and needs help to make yeah. to make it better, uh, you know to cut down on, on operational costs, you know, ensure, ensure that you have. Okay. <coughs> is there, <coughs> is, is there huge changes? Like, do, 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 you, do you see um, huge, like, variations between, like, regulation in the UK and, like, the rest of the world? Uh, Was it there is, there, there is very much the change in approach about how they do it, but at the core of it, it's very much who, those, who, who your customers are, who you deal with, where did the money come from? Are they legit? Sure. When you boil it down to like the very basic parts, it's like who you're dealing with, and are are the are the money come from legitimate sources or not? And 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 in terms of like specifically in the crypto world, are we see? I mean, I don't know if you know this actually, but like, um, are we seeing like the creation of like more like custodians? Because because one thing, and I I talk about this quite a lot, that it just baffles me is the fact that actually. If I'm if I've got half a million pounds and I'm looking to invest it, right? I'm gonna go to like a I'm either gonna manage it myself or I'll go to a money manager and you know they're not gonna hold the money directly. Do, do you know what I mean? Yep. Like well, well, with 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 crypto companies like like um how how does the average person know whether or not they're placing their money directly with an organization that has access to their money or how do they or yeah or or yeah. How, how how can they determine whether or actually their money's held with a third party custodian because it must be quite tricky right now yeah so at the moment like in, in in the crypto space specifically it is very much the case that uh it's very much the case that you have the only way to know that is if a company is transparent with you right mm -hmm. however it's a, again another lesson that can be learned from traditional finances where like you know traditional regulations require companies to you know, segregate funds, put them in specific uh, protection, uh, protected accounts. So, you know, if something goes wrong and they go bust, you know, customers' funds are protected. 
the there are schemes like financial services compensation scheme and so on. And I think this is something that like to give uh, it, it is a common sense regulation where where actually companies in the crypto space can get ahead of it and be like, oh, we are transparent about where we hold your money. What is your recourse if something goes wrong? Like, well, what, what is the recourse? So if, if I put eighty five, <laughs> say I put eighty five thousand pounds with like in in Coinbase, and Coinbase goes broke. Like, am I covered under the uh, financial services compensation scheme? So with 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 Coinbase, uh, uh, well, it depends on where you're based. But like, let's say let's say here in the UK, basically they have their own electronic money institution, okay. which uh, uh, it does not fall under the financial services compensation scheme. However, the regulatory requirement is that they hold the fiat in a segregated account. So that means if the company goes bust, you're like a like the money in that account belongs to the customers. So the other creditors don't have claim on them. In, in a bankruptcy proceeding or in administration so like you keep customer money in a client funds account so right. whenever things go wrong those funds can be distributed back to your customers and not you know and, and you, you, as a customer because a, lo a lot of the time in other businesses when you go into bankruptcy as a customer you go like at the bottom uh at the bottom of the list of creditors so sure. yeah but right? with, like, so, so here you get like a preferential treatment where your money are protected sorry so, so just to make sure so just to simplify that somewhat so I put I put eighty five thousand pounds with Coinbase. Yes. Hypothetically, they go bankrupt. There's no no government regulation protecting me. There's no. no there is there is the because uh, Coinbase has its own electronic money institution to on ramp people. It's there, but it, it, but it's their own money electronic. Yeah. So so the, there's the CB there's the CB payments in the UK, which is the uh, Coinbase's electronic money institution. Right. So basically, they use that to on ramp fiat and like process fiat payments for customers so the fiat that you put into coinbase it's held with cb payments and like it's held in a segregated account okay. where if they go bust like the other creditors of coinbase can't have claim on that on those why? money those... why though because the, about preferential yeah, so, the, so the electronic money regulations uh, from the year and like the electronic money directive and like the basically specifically designate status for a client account and a segregated account to have a like special privilege status is basically those are, those are customer funds. They're recognized as customer funds. They don't, they don't belong to the company. So whenever the company goes bust, creditors don't have claim on them. It's the customer's funds. Like the customers get them back. I get you. I get you. So, so um, this is again like things that like the crypto space can in some way emulate to, to help its customers and like give them confidence. Uh, I get you. And I think it's, it's a very sensible regulation. And again, the crypto, kind of the crypto space right now is going through what the payments and electronic money space went 20 years ago. Before, before the payment services directive and the electronic money directive in 2007 and 2011, like it was kind of like the crypto space where you know you pull money for people, you process like payments uh, and so on. And uh, there was not really any regulation, but then all those regulations, kind of regulations and consumer protection uh, came in. And like, I, I feel like it's kind of the same thing is going through the crypto space as well. It's like, how do you protect customers? And their funds from you know from either misappropriation or just uh, or just companies going bust. Do you know it was probably a, a bad time for us to use Coinbase as the example when talking about companies going bust. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I lost a, I lost a lot of money in Coinbase, but still got out. Much Wait. better than it. Much, much better than where we are now, right now. So I I, I read yesterday. I, I think it was like Kathy Wood. I think like. I, th I think she's like, like jumped into Coinbase. Like it's um, 
I, I still don't quite understand like why why they're getting hammered as much as they are, you know. Yeah. Um, Again, they're also they're also I, I, kind sorry, of. I, I haven't I haven't read their financials. I should also say that. So I've only been yeah. looking at what's in the news at the moment. Yeah. No. I bought I bought Coinbase at IPO. Literally, really, literally on the day, but by the but the thing is like you know uh, by the time my order got executed, I bought it at a terrible price. Uh, so 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 that, so that so that was fun. You know, but I, I lost like fifty percent on it, and then it's down. Like I I was like okay, I need to get out of out of it because like it's not gonna go up, and it it is down like it's battered another like eighty percent since I saw it, and I was like oh my god, but I feel like it it kind of suffers the same thing as Bitcoin does. Uh, a little yeah. bit because, because it's the flagship main yeah yeah so when the crypto market gets hammered you know you know investors lose confidence in the market they lose in, uh, confidence in coinbase but also it's a it, it kind of the company hasn't been doing great when it comes to management anyway so but, see I, i've always yeah i, I mean I, i've always thought it's quite a good company to be fair but i've I, i've made that mistake by the way i i, I bought on facebook ipo right i, I mean like, on the day yeah, on the same thing and yeah. on the and do wait oh, sorry who did you who, do you remember who you bought it through sorry do you remember which which like trading company you bought it through oh so uh, i use Hargreaves, Hargreaves lansdown as my broker i use Hargreaves lansdown now so yeah. yeah i love them um uh, but i was gonna say that i, I used um uh td wars house at the time uh, and and it like there was remember there was a problem at the ipo and td wars house could they could tell you they sorry they couldn't even tell you if your order had been filled yeah and i think i i, I got um i got like a letter from them like two sorry no it wasn't a letter it was a phone call it was like two weeks later like just confirming that the trade had gone through uh not the most desirable price but not not the worst price but they didn't want. They didn't put anything in writing. They actually just phoned me up. So like, that's, yeah, that's, me. Like loads crazy. of people got stuff on that day. They didn't know if their trades had been executed. Yeah, no, I had the same issue with with Coinbase because there was so much activity. It took like seven hours for my trade to get executed, and it got executed at a price at like over like a four hundred and seven dollar price. I was like, this is like insane. How how, how is that when like it people bought Coinbase it like one eighty four hundred seven dollars? <laughs> yes. Can I ask what you got out? Or do you not want to say? I I, I got out at like one ninety. Okay, okay. And now it's at what like now it's yeah, like what, like yeah, 60 yeah. or whatever it is. It's, yeah. It's, I know it's it's yeah, it beats them up. I, I I still I still have quite a lot of confidence. I don't know, look, who knows? But I was gonna say like I I I, I did the same with like I think Palantir. I think I jumped in a rich and the first trade of Palantir I think was like like eight bucks, eight, nine dollars. I got it really, really early. Yeah. Um like the first like week or two. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think one thing I'm going to try and avoid in the future is just like buying an IPO because you kind of know that it's overvalued or you think it's overvalued. Yeah. But well, the thing is like my strategy has been, and I think it's like if uh, uh, people on the trading floor did that, right? Like it's, you get, if you can get in early, early enough, then it does like a one, two day or whatever, like a, to a week, like, you know, it goes up and then it corrects. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought I can get, get, get in and out of Coinbase within like 48 hours. But then like my order didn't get executed at, at, at a decent price. Then it was just like, okay, now I need to hold it for like a, a long time. I, I know I know people on the trading floor who got in at like one, one, 120, right? So they, they like it traded at like over $250 for a while. So yeah. most people doubled their money. Like they, they did the same thing I wanted to do. <laughs> well, Facebook, I got in at like, I think I got in at like $38. But I think on the day, I think I can't remember. I think people got in at like twenty eight dollars. Yeah. 
right? And and I think that within a 12 months, I think I was back down at like $19. Yes, yeah, so, so it, it, uh, I think- I don't, that. I, don't, I, never, yeah, I don't know, like I think you, you see that basically like every IPO of like big tech company has been basically a failure when you when you look at it like they're all down over overall since since, since there was probably so well, even... well that's not fair that depends what time frame you look at it over yeah but like uh, uh in, in in general you see like companies are a lot more wary about like ipoing these days uh because of like the inflated valuations you see like we work right like private equity funds would value you much higher than the public market wealth and the thing is like you know we work is, is a very good example uh, of that and like a lot, a lot of other companies you see like because once you once you expose everything to the market there's a lot of smart people that are going to look into every single little detail of your company sure, sure, and sure, they're, sure. they're gonna they're gonna analyze it and like you know it's much e it's much easier to convince a room of vcs to value you at 40 billion than it is to convince uh uh hundreds of analysts at uh goldman sachs or jp morgan or whatever to value it at 40 billion sure 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 I think you know the, the, that's the other thing. Like you know, like we're seeing like everyone now is trying to like from a compliance perspective, it's almost become a bit like trickier for companies because everyone now thinks they're like Gordon Gecko. Everyone thinks they're a trader, right? Everyone's just like, oh, I bought in here, sold there, and it's so easy. Like, did you use like the Hargreaves Lansdowne app? Yeah. Okay, I should, I should say I'm not working for Hargreaves Lansdowne, right? It's not like I'm plugging it. But like it's so easy to use, yeah. Right? And like you're like on their website, you can jump. I, you could sit there all day long, just like buying, buying and selling all day long, right? Yep. Um, but like you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be very smart to, to be a day trader. It's one of the hardest jobs. That I, I don't. Think. I've ne I've never. I've never ever. Yeah, it's you, a little bit glorified. You, I think a lot a lot of YouTube videos where people are just selling courses, and it's it's another thing that like you know I you know I have a bone I have a bone with it's like the whole like fake success whatever I can trade you a trading strategy that you can make like. I know I know real day traders and like they spend a lot of time. They've got the, they've got PhDs a lot of them, or yeah. they've got, like they've been you know they've studied mathematics at a very like high level. Like um, th there is one guy actually that I follow. I, I think he's actually I, I think he's very fair. I find him like very balanced. Um, I think he's have you heard of like Felix? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, I, I, I I actually do like he um he does a lot on like Palantir and Neo. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think that there are there are some like really good ones out there. I, I don't, you know, I, I think he's more of an options trader than anything. But um, like, that, that, that's he's, clearly a, he's yeah. clearly a he's clearly a smart. I mean, he comes across as a smart guy. You know, that doesn't mean the people like trying to emulate him have yeah. his ability. Um, and also, there's tons of emotions in in trading. Yeah. Know? Well, the thing is, like, you cannot. Uh, you, uh, you cannot once you start getting emotions involved and i know money are emotional thing and like losses are emotional then you get into kind of you know you know you know it's, it doesn't become trading it becomes gambling like you know like once you start chasing oh, the trades you need to have like clear set rules about how you're going to execute trades where's your stop loss uh like like it, it, it needs a specific type of person to be successful at that and like well but so let me ask you this okay say hypothetically one bought in an ipo on and all of a sudden they're up like within a few weeks they're up hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars right you know is it's it's very hard to have the discipline and say actually i've made the decision i'm not selling right i'm just going to hold it for the next 20 years or whatever the next five ten years you know yeah. um 
and I stupidly did that. Like I stupidly, did. I've done that like more than once, and it's just like oh, you know, you've done the same, right? I did. I did the same thing with XRP. Right. Oh, did you? I I I, I could have made like fuck you money at three dollars fifty, but. Uh, <laughs> I still have oh, it. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. That's mad. Okay. I, 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 like, it's, at this point, I still hold it. Like, okay, I, you know, know, I just gotta have it. I just gotta have it forever. <laughs> so. it, it'll, it'll go back. I, I, yeah, I'm the same with. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm the same with Palantir. Although, actually, I got a, I got an email from like Hargreaves Downtown the other day, like warning me that you know that they felt they, they think that I'm holding. There's too much risk in in my, in my portfolio. I was like, no, don't worry about it. Just, just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm fine. I know yeah, what I'm talking I'm about. <laughs> I'm just gonna buy and hold it. Yeah, it's actually like uh, when you said it's like, oh, there's too much risk in your portfolio. It kind of ties in with the whole with where we started from with the whole Luna situation. It's like one of the most important things is like don't put all your eggs in your wallet basket, right? Like diversification, like just hedge your risk. And uh, you know, a lot of crypto traders out there that trade hedge your risk, diversify your portfolios. But again, it, again, I, I I don't think. You know, and this is really odd because again, I run a crypto community. I don't think people should be like, like you know, diversifying all into crypto. I think actually, like real diversification needs to now be different asset classes yes. if you are going to do that, exactly. right? That's what that's 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 how I approach uh, uh, my portfolio. Like, you know, again, like if 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 all your investments are in crypto. Diversifying within crypto, you're still the whole risk is the industry, like right, like the whole industry goes down. You're, yeah, you know, especially especially if every, everything follows Bitcoin, it kind of it goes goes head to head. So like diver diversification between coins isn't really that much of a diversification, sure. but you know take take advantage of all the easy access classes. Like you know, uh, I'm a big fan of ETFs. I think. Uh, oh, I'm not. Really. Yeah. Like I just no look if 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 I was like speaking to my friends and I was and they were like talking about their pension I would just be like get an S P five hundred tracker or like an ETF or whatever like a global a global equivalent and just like put money in every month right but you're not going to create like people 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 don't want, like people want to create like they want to build wealth and you can't be you can't create wealth if you're over diversified. Or at least in my opinion, you know. Yeah, well, the thing, this the isn't thing any like, advice, by the way, for anyone watching. Yeah, no, none of this is financial advice. Yeah, yeah, none of this is financial advice. No, 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 none of us are, none of us are, are, yeah. are regular financial advisors anyway. But yeah. I think, like, uh, you, it, it, first of all, the most important thing about invest, investment is, is why, or like, you know, a lot of my friends come to me for, for investment advice and everything. And I'm like, first of all, is what do you want to achieve out of it? Like, what is your, t what is your goal over what, what time period? And so that that this is where you, the starting point is like, what do you want out of it? If you want to build, you know, retirement money and like whatever uh, with with low with with is not as big risk, you know, ETA, like you know, Vanguard Global All Cap is going to outperform all the hedge funds on, on the market basically, except like the top twenty percent. When you when you when you come for like people things. buying crypto aren't thinking about their pensions. People yeah. <laughs> that buy crypto are thinking about. Um, Quick, making money like very quickly yeah waking up tomorrow and be like oh, i don't have to go to work today <laughs> i don't have to go to work today you know? things like the, the, there's the there's the risk appetite right it's yeah. uh first of all your personal risk appetite but secondly, it's personal risk management right and the thing is like i think if you make tons of money in crypto just put some out like take some out to, to like build a cushion in in traditional markets like put them in something diversification just in case everything stocks. 
buy value the, stocks. That's yeah, it. Or, or or like or like or like or like, or like buy value stocks. But again, uh, if you if you got to buy individual stocks, just really need to do your due diligence on the company, right? Like you really need to understand why this stock is a value stock and like why why you think it's going to go up uh, over time. Like uh, I I think you know uh, again. The key, the key word is always due diligence, and like that's do your due diligence. Make sure, make sure that, and again, like also make sure that you understand, you know, the fundamentals. I guess, uh, I guess, of, of of a company, and like why is this company going up? Like, why would you think like it's going to be up? Because on a short on a short time scale, like everything can go up and down, almost in a way like nonsensically. Like you know, it's like why is this like you know you wake up one day and like it. It's like stocks are like up like twenty percent, but without anything happening, yeah. they make a good announcement and they're down. I know it's weird. Yeah, it's... yeah. And the thing is, like, if if you invest like over time, then like you need to see like, okay, it doesn't matter the little ups and downs. I think this company has good fundamentals to have like a long term tra- uh, trajectory that goes up. Yeah, like what we were saying about Amazon, right? Like, I I I think I think companies like Neo, like when it goes down, they're like. Oh, Neo gonna Neo gonna deliver X amount of cars, you know, this year. First time they've ever done it, and that you know it's uh, yeah. You, you're watching the stock go down. It, it it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, uh, especially again, it's it's all, it's all about like how much do you believe the company can execute, right? And it's uh, it's the first it's the first time they deliver that amount of cars. You see, yeah. with Tesla, like so many years in and so many like billions put in, you know, it's, they still have like issues with like quality control with like gaps in the panels in their cars and, and all that and things like executing on that is, is is a big part of the company it's not just like oh this company's gonna do this but like can they actually deliver on the promise and, and how well can they deliver uh, uh, and and i think that's a that's a thing that's kind of overlooked sometimes it's about like the actual delivery of things like get, getting them done the, 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 and the, see that's one thing in the fintech sector where i think we're going to see like huge shifts because you know, we're seeing like mad valuations, right? Like companies like Stripe, like you Klarna know, like, as well. Like it's, it's crazy. Who, who? Sorry, Klarna. Klarna. Yeah, right. So, so okay, with Stripe, I think they've got like about one point five two million customers, right? Yeah. But what's the average revenue per user, or what's the average revenue per customer, right? Yeah. Like how much they actually? How, how much they actually making? And 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 then all of a sudden, you know, I, I think that. Are we are, are we sitting at a time where again like with, with same as with the uh, crypto space are we going to see like um, a load of like fintech companies just disappear and then mm-hmm. we're going to see like but then we're going to see like much stronger and stronger companies come out right mm-hmm. Apple for one Apple are not going to ignore this fintech I mean they're not ignoring fintech I mean they're not ignoring it they bought, they're, they're they, dominant they, yeah they yeah they recently they recently bought this open banking company right like they're involved in Apple Pay so like. They have the, the Apple credit card, like you know, they are they are very much getting getting involved in the space. I don't understand open banking. Like, like what what are the, like the core principles of it? So 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 open banking, uh, basically, uh, it made it. Uh, I guess the the regulations made made it a rule for banks to have an API that okay. like that the providers can access, and you have like those uh, account information service providers, which are providers that can tap into the API. And like get you information so like you know budgeting app and you connect all your different accounts to your budgeting app uh, and get that or you have the payment initiation service providers which basically can make payments uh, through your account and you see a lot of those like true layer uh, that that basically gives businesses the opportunity to 
let customers pay directly from the bank account, like instantly through like a simple UX, instead of instead of making the user go and like do a money or bank transfer through through their account. Like so, so, so you know, and I've spoke, I've spoken with like some, a lot of companies in the open banking space, or they're pursuing it, should we say? But like, I think it's one of those areas. It's very hard to stand out. I, I think fintech in general is very hard to yeah. stand out. Fintech has become very, very, very saturated, and I think uh, we, what what we see, uh, open banking is probably going to follow the same seat where generic, general uh, uh, companies would like be a few left in a few years time and they have like a lot more specialized like oh we specialize yeah. in this industry this country this uh like like you know more niche niche businesses uh, I, I i i don't i don't think fintech is saturated i actually i saw something from a16z um andrew horowitz recently yeah um, i think it was a16z i keep forgetting but um like, yeah they were just basically about how in the future every company is gonna in some capacity be a fintech company and and mm. I, I do think that I, I think that that's kind of like the, the path that we're on right now. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, think, uh, I think it's, you have to be. You kind of have to be right. because yeah. uh, I, what what I what I see in like uh, like Apple is the biggest example. It's like if your business is to create an ecosystem, getting money in and out of that system, it, it should be a part of like your your offering, right? Like you should be yeah. able to. Yeah to manage that, uh, you know, either through third parties, partnerships, whatever, but like you integrate that in your, in your thing. Like, I think Apple Pay has been amazing. Like, I, I, I love it. I love using it. Like, you know, it I, just... I, I, I don't carry a wallet with me now. Yeah. I, genuinely, I, I just use it. But the only thing is you've got to make sure you've got a charger. But no, I was going to say that um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, like, and, and you have like so many with like Curve, for example, that like, you know, you have like, one card, like you connect all your cards to one card, and then just through the app to choose which one you want to use with that one card. Like, you know, it's you know you have you have all those innovations that make you always get the wrong card. Yeah, yeah. Did make your life easier. I I, rem I remember like uh, when contactless payments first came uh, to the UK, which is the first place anyway. How long ago was that, roughly? I, I know. I used to, I used, to, I, used to, I used to still live in Camden, so it was probably like two thousand and. You still live in Camden. Yeah. I was down the road in Primrose Hill. There you go. Uh, yeah, good yeah. area. Like I used to, yeah, I used to live close close to Regent's Park. Uh, yeah, I used to like go Mornington, there. Mornington Crescent, like close to Coco, you know, the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, yeah. I know. So, 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 yeah. But like, I used to walk down to Regent's Park and see. If you walk round, I used to go in the morning. You can see all the lions. Yeah, I used to go pretty much like, every yeah, morning, like in the summer, and just like yeah, and just that's like good. see all yeah, the that's lions. That's cool. But yeah, no, I, I remember I used to go to I used to go through like a shopping. It was a twenty pound limit, but like, even then, it's like. So it's such like it, it brought such innovation. I think last year for the first time, contactless payments have uh, were more than chip and pin payments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, like just fintech is just, money is such an essential part of our day to day living. And like I think like fintech is like basically the hottest the hottest space because it it's something that impacts people's lives like on a daily basis. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we we've added like so. Obviously, in terms of like finding like the right product market fit with Rayon, like when we first started it, we were like opening like you know we just wanted to like get the ball rolling and make um, uh, generate some revenue, and we were open to letting like, any companies on the platform. Yeah. Um, and the first five companies that came on board, all fintech companies, and obviously Jan, Emma, and I, and Tarek and I, like we didn't ignore it. We're like, uh, you know, like there's something in this, and so I phoned up all the companies. And I was like, hey, just 
odd one, but why did you buy our, you know, why did you buy our product? What, you know, um, you know what, what was it that really was the deciding factor? And the most part, they were like, well, you know, like fintech space, we want to try, we want to try new products and we just want access to it to the very, very best people. And like, so, you know, we kind of made a decision for the back of it, actually, let's go more niche, more niche, more niche. And we're now at a point where it's just, it's literally only fintech and crypto companies. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the uh, it, it, it makes sense, like you know, the, the space the space is getting a lot of investment, but also it's uh, it's become a massive focus. Uh, people are more conscious about how they spend their money, where they keep them, you know. Uh, again, it just just like just like with crypto, like you're entrusting money that you've went to work, been in the tube, we crowded with people, mm-hmm. or like gone through all kinds of things to get to to make them. So like you can't just give them to, to like any random person, right? Like you, you want to make sure that. That you can trust the people you give your money to, and like the, the people, people can become a lot more conscious about what they do with their money, how they spend them, what kind of apps they use, you know, how, how they invest them, and everything. Else. Then these to be the case. Like, uh, I know I, I, I was I was in fintech before you know the fintech buzzword came in, and like it, it was a very your customer base was like a very niche base of like people just they're kind of using the internet for specific payments or, or, or in specific places, and now like almost everyone now knows like fintech companies 15 years ago like almost never almost no one knew like who processes your payments like card acquiring like whatever i just put my card number and that's it like well what do you think is going to happen to these companies that so i i used to work for an asset management company right like this this company is an absolute like beast of a company absolute machine but they were very neglectful in terms of like updating their technology. I have no idea where they are now. I assume they're probably ahead of the ahead of the curve, um, or at least like you know trying to catch up with the curve. But um, um, you know, like, I think now they they manage like over 150, 200 billion dollars. Like, and they've still oh sorry, um, apologies. Um, if they've still got their same attitude, where it's like you know they're, they're not so focused on the technology. Are we going to see other companies like come along and like just just take their market share? Take their, I mean, or is or is it or is it sorry? Is it just a case where we're still going to see like room for these companies that are just absolute machines, well oiled, brilliant like leadership, like very like uh, clear go to market strategy? Or, yeah, well, or, I think I think I think there's space for both, and it's kind of this kind of mirrors exactly the story of fintech, right? Like all those fintech banks, like you know, Revolut and like all this either wise they appeared from the inefficiencies of the old system and like integrated but the thing is like at some point they will become the old system and like i think like you know it's it's easy to build a new company from scratch with like the latest tech but like once you have like a humongous machine how like it's not easy to yeah. update your tech yeah right? like yeah, yeah. uh you know it's you know you have like tb i think i think it's tbs bank that like in in the here in the uk where they migrated to a new system and then like lost billions of, of pounds because they were the new system wasn't working. Like people's accounts were inaccessible for days. It, 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 it was an absolute mess. So at some point, technical debt just catches up to you, right? Yeah. Like, and, yeah. And, 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 and that's kind of an integral part. But again, there's always people don't choose their providers just based on tech. I mean, like, no, they, we're they, really into the space or whatever. Like, we're like a lot of people in crypto, like, super like tech focused. But like, yeah, nor should they. They should do it on like, you know, there should be yeah. a scientific aspect to it. Exactly. Right, there has to be trust as well. Yeah, exactly. So there, there, there would always be a space for companies, uh, you know, that, uh, that that are 
not as technologically advanced, but you know, they offer people, I think the biggest thing that, that people, uh, where they give their money to is like, again, it's trust. And then the thing like, if someone's been around for a long time, even if their their experience is a little bit, uh, is, is a little bit terrible, sure. you st you st you're still going to use their products. And they're like, you're still right. going to like, I still use a traditional bank, even with, I I, I have accounts with a FinTech and Neobanks or whatever, but like, as my main account where where uh, you know for things i still I, st I still i still use one of the traditional banks because yeah, so, so do i but have you ever tried phoning them or had a problem oh no it's, it's an absolute nightmare so what i do is like i get money in there i keep money in there but whenever i need to do something with this money i just transfer it out to my styling account yeah and like i do the things you know we, we know we do one of those things and, and again it's 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 uh what a things good at uh, you know again like do i trust my money to sit with someone that has like you know a lot a lot more assets under uh, uh, under the belt and like uh, they've been around for a long time yeah but like do i want to use them on a daily basis no i don't because like it's terrible so yeah so, you know i think I, th I think like personal money management has become a little bit also like investments it's like okay so this account here is good for this this account is good for travel this account is good for uh, you know no fees this account is good for something else and you end up like with, with multiple accounts like i have like my wallet's just filled with cards that like of accounts that i i use in, a, in different situations and i think a so lot you try the wallet on your phone though right yes i do have yeah. uh, uh no, no apple wallet like, on my phone but i, I also carry, yeah, yeah, I also so carry a physical wallet as well with oh no I, no i've just got my phone on me now yeah but no. again and the thing it's and, and the thing again like people can become a lot more switched on like uh, even I like ten years ago used to just have one card with one bank and that's it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. the case anymore. And like you're thinking, like now you're like, oh, if I travel, I'm going to use this card because it has like no fees. If I do this, I'm going to use uh, I'm going to use this, uh, etc. Like uh, you know, you have people being a lot more switched on about 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 how they use their money. Yeah, and I think on that, I I, I think uh, you know people would need to be more switched on about yeah. now than ever, but. Bobby, we're going to leave it there. It's been absolutely brilliant. It was a pleasure. Uh, it was a pleasure to no, talk to you. No, thank yeah. you, as always. Always always a great conversation. Greatly appreciated. Yeah, thank thanks, thanks a lot. Thank you.